Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Amen. I'm going to ask if you would to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And here's what I would ask you this morning to pray and ask the Lord. Lord, if there's any distraction that would keep me from hearing from you today, Would you please remove it right now in Jesus' name? Maybe you're thinking about lunch with family. Maybe you have a burden on your heart. Would you just ask the Lord, just for the next 25 minutes or so, to allow you to focus on the truth of His Word and the wonderful grace that he's given us to be able to tune in and be able to actually even hear from him is a is a gift of grace. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. Pray God that you'd speak to my heart. I thank you that you've spoken to my heart this week. And that you've even shown me some things where I need to change my thinking. And so I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us today. Remind us that you are in control. And you have a great plan for us. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these friends that are gathered here today. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to hear from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. What if there were things in your life that were preventing you from hearing from God? What if there were habits? What if there were things that you were clinging on to that were keeping you from hearing from the Lord? What if there were things that you had in your life that prevented you from learning maybe a new skill or or, or going to that next place that God has for you? The reality is all of us have those things. And... You know, I was thinking, uh, change is difficult. I don't know about you, but the older I get, I like for some things just to stay the way they are. Maybe you can relate to that. I don't know. Maybe not. I just like for things to stay the way they are. They're not staying the way they are. This past week, I feel like I've been around the world on planet Earth, and I only... Took a little 10, well, 11, okay, 12 hour with stops at bathrooms and feedings for our family to take uh, Lauren and move her to Sarasota, Florida. And uh, we finally did, yes, praise God, we did finally get her moved. I was telling the worship team and the choir, we will be doing that, that again just in a few months. So for now, things are staying the same, but in a few months for her, it's going to change again. And I was thinking about uh, change. Change is good. Change is difficult, uh, but change is good. I know we have some folks who are new 
parents and grandparents. I'm thinking about the Burnetts. I'm thinking about Sonny and Nancy, new grandparents. And when the baby comes home, you, you, you do eventually want that baby to grow up. And to fly out in this, I see some of you nodding, yes, and eventually moving out of the house and eventually taking care of themselves, praise the Lord Jesus, hallelujah. You eventually want that. That requires uh, change. You know, it'd be crazy if, and, and, and though this happens in our culture sometimes, for a man and woman to get married and then they, the, they don't even leave their parents' house, they just stay there forever and live in their house. I know that's kind of normal, even in our culture, uh, it's, 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 it is normal sometimes, but it should be abnormal. By the way, when the abnormal becomes normal, the normal starts looking abnormal. You get that. Things in our world that look abnormal should be normal, uh, but they're not. And I, anyway, I thought about that this week with the kids moving out. I also thought about it. Uh, because my daughter, <laughs> Lauren, said something to me. And uh, it just, man, hit right here. We were riding in the car together this week in Florida, talking about what she's doing and where God has changed the trajectory of her life. And what I want to share with you today from... The message, just, just so you know, it's not anything that's happened in the last week, month, or, or year at our church. I've had this message on my heart probably since I came to Crossroads. And then we would start these series, and I kept kind of kicking it down the road and uh, wondering, God, when do you want me to share this? And with Lauren's comment that she made to me this week, God went, Sunday is the time. So we're driving down the road, and she says this to me. And some of you know this story. Uh, you know that we were, before I came to Crossroads, was doing a lot of ministry. One of those things was a radio show. We had moved our studio to Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, we felt like God was doing that. It was something new. We moved to Nashville, Tennessee. And long story short, within a matter of weeks, the economy changed. Our house didn't sell. We were back. I was back and, down, uh, back and forth up the interstate uh, for a full year, up and down the interstate to Nashville, going, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Here's what I was doing. Don't miss this. I was clinging on to what I knew and did not want what God wanted to do that was next in line. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you understand what I'm talking about. And I thought about this week as she made the comment to me, and I'll tell you what the comment was in just a second. How if we as God's people do not live like this, we will never grow. If God puts something in our hand and we hold on to it so tightly that He can't put anything new into our hand, we will live with the old. Meanwhile, God is going, I have something new for you, but until you let go, like a little two-year-old, mine, 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 until you let go, I can't put anything new in there. So we're driving down the road, and the story of... Nashville and radio, and I was really angry. I've shared this story with some of you before. I was really angry with the Lord. Why are you doing this? Why are you changing things? I finally got settled on this, and now you're changing something again. And my daughter made this comment to me this week. Dad, just for a reminder, had, had what you were doing in radio and in Nashville, Tennessee, not fallen apart, you would not have stayed in Spartanburg. Had you not stayed in Spartanburg, when a friend of yours named Mike Williams called you and asked you to come to the Dominican Republic, you would have not gone to the Dominican Republic. 
Had you not gone to the Dominican Republic, you would not have loaded up our family on a plane and gone to the Dominican Republic. Had we not gone with you to the Dominican Republic, my heart would not have seen the plight of the kids here in the Dominican Republic. Had I not seen the plight of the kids here in the Dominican Republic, God would not have drawn my heart to law school. Had God not drawn my heart to law school, I would have not gone to Virginia to Regent University to study law. Had I not gone to law school, I would not have followed that path and wound up here in Sarasota, Florida. People, what you do matters. What you say yes to when God brings something across your path matters not so much for you, it matters for you, but it may matter for generations to come. We must, hear me church, we must get this right. In our personal lives, in our church life, we must get this right. This is not something that we should make haphazard decisions about, though I am guilty of doing that. We have to seek the Lord. And we have to ask Him to show us. Change is interesting. You know, you probably have heard this saying before. Insanity is this, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. <coughs> i got to confess to you, I, I, like, I like being insane sometimes. <laughs> because I know what's going to happen. And here's what's interesting about that as you think about change and insanity. Our perception, I was studying this week and I wrote this down, and the Lord, I feel like, gave this to me. Our perception is our reality. So it's important that we have the correct perception. Now, here's why it's challenging because Satan is the great deceiver, and he is masterful at deception. So if we're not tuned in to the Holy Spirit through His Word, through prayer, through other believers, and we're getting fed off one another and ultimately fed off God's Word and His Holy Spirit, we can be deceived and our perception will somewhat be stored. It doesn't mean we're bad. It doesn't mean I'm bad. It doesn't mean when I was in Nashville, Tennessee, going, God, I want to stay here. I don't want to move again. I want you to sell our house. It doesn't mean I was bad, but it does mean I did not have a clear grasp on the perception as God saw it. And our perception is our reality. I'm not going to get political this morning. I'm not even going to get denominational this morning. But I will tell you, in our country, we have a huge problem with perception. In our denomination, we have a huge problem with perception. I was sharing this back and forth with Heath this week in, in texting. When There's this recent stat that's come out on how churches... Uh, how Southern Baptist churches are doing in America. And depending on how you want to read the report will make you feel good or make you feel bad. But if you dig back and you perceive the data correctly, you'll find out some interesting things. One of the things that this report said was that stats on attendance, on worship attendance, has increased recently. Well, partly because COVID is over. You remember that thing called pandemic? And that's a good thing. Praise the Lord that we have attendance. Praise the Lord that you're here. That's great. But if you study the report in full, and I haven't yet, I just started digging down a little bit, you'll find out that membership in churches is at an all-time staggering low, the lowest point it has been in Southern Baptist life since 1970. I would say to us, we are on the path of insanity in Baptist culture. 
And we keep doing the same things thinking we're going to get different results. It's not going to happen. It hasn't happened since 1970. As a matter of fact, the opposite, if you read the study, has happened. So here's what I believe this morning. And I love, I love this about our church because I believe Jesus Christ wants to do something new. He's all about doing something new. And last week we talked about uh, Foster Christie was with us and he talked about the grace of God and how God's grace, when Jesus showed up on the scene and said, no, you don't have to work for salvation, it's free. That was a radical thought and it was a new thought and it was not very well received among the Pharisees, of course. And I started asking myself this question. I felt like the Lord was asking me. Maybe this sermon is just for me this morning. The Lord started asking me, why are you holding old to old things? Now, don't get me wrong. There are some things that the older they get, the better they are. Husbands, you better be nodding if you're sitting next to your wife. I saw some elbows do that when I said that. Amen. I'm, I'm, I understand I'm married to one too. Hallelujah. Jesus is all about making things new. There are some old things that are good, but there are a lot of times we base on, on uh, our perception is based on our preferences, which sometimes makes us hard to accept new things. I'll give you an example from our own church family. And I'm not trying to step on any toes this morning. I'm just trying to come up with some illustrations that you can relate to. I remember not too long ago when we moved down here and we moved into this room and we started to have coffee and a little snack to get going before the service. There were some people who didn't really, weren't all really excited about that. Maybe you're one of those people who are still not excited about that. I would just tell you that is a personal preference. That is not an absolute truth based on the Word of God. Get over it. That's a personal preference. And here's what I think has happened in our culture. We, we, we send our young people off to college and they get challenged by different things. And what happens is we have taught them how to place their conviction on personal preferences instead of the absolute truth of God's word. And then when the professor says some things and they start going, well, maybe that's right. It, the professor a lot of times is right because what they have pay, based their principles on is personal preference, not the absolute truth of God's word. Why is that important? It's important because... What you perceive is what you receive. If my perception of a situation is wrong, then I'm going to receive wrong, that wrong perception, and then I'm going to start thinking incorrectly based on what my perception is. I've told you this story before. There was a guy preaching in a service, and the whole time during the service, two people were talking. He, everybody was quiet. Everybody was watching. So there was two people that were whispering back and forth. At the end of the service, the pastor's down there. Everybody's shaking his hand, enjoyed the message, enjoyed the message. The two people who were talking the whole time come up to the front, and they tell the pastor, oh, we really enjoyed the message. And he's thinking, enjoy the message. Enjoy the message. He didn't say this out loud. He's thinking, enjoy the message. The whole time I was preaching, y'all sitting there talking back and forth. And then one of them introduces and says, this is my friend from uh, the Ukraine. He speaks Russian, so I was translating your sermon the whole time you were preaching so he could understand it. But his perception was they were just chatty Cathy during the sermon. And because of his perception, he had the wrong thinking. You're, you're tracking with me so far. It's important you get this because before we jump into God's Word, all this is kind of foundational to understanding something that Jesus is going to say to us this morning. So if our perception is wrong... We're going to have the wrong kind of thinking. 
If you've got your Bible, Mark chapter 2 is where we're going this morning. We went through, as a church family, a couple years ago maybe it was, the book of Mark. And I'll just be honest, confession time is the pastor, one of the pastors here. We skimmed over a couple of these verses. Not because they were difficult, but because of time. I mean, you could spend five years in the book of Mark and not scratch the surface. But this is one passage that we just kind of jumped to the next chapter. And we didn't talk about this just too much. Too much. I'm grateful for my friend Foster last week talking about this new teaching of grace. And it is a new teaching for a lot of people. We are saved by grace. But Jesus takes it a step further in his explanation of it in the book of Mark chapter 2. And if you know this chapter, you'll know that Jesus has healed a paralytic. He's been hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. People are starting to ask him all kinds of questions. Why are you hanging out with sinners and tax collectors? And then they start to pressure him and ask him, well, people are fasting, but your disciples aren't fasting. Why aren't your disciples fasting? And they start asking him a lot of questions. And then he gets to this point where he says this in Mark chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear results. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins and the wine is lost, and the skins as well. But one puts new wine into fresh wineskins. And you may be thinking, what in the world is that talking about? I'm glad you're asking, because I was asking too, and I dug deeper in the last few weeks to dig through to say, what is Jesus trying to say? Jesus is trying to say several things. The first, first and main thing he's trying to say is, I am doing something new. And the, the greatest commentator about Jesus doing something new is Paul in 2 Corinthians where he says this, Behold, all things have passed away, all things become new. When he talks about moving from being a lost person to knowing Jesus, hopefully something new happens. If you're here this morning and you've never moved from old to new and accepted the free grace of Jesus, then you're still old spiritually. Matter of fact, you're dead spiritually. You have to accept the new gift of grace that Jesus has for you. And so Jesus uses here two examples that we want to look at very quickly this morning that remind us there's no growth without change. The first one is this, garments. And we have anybody who sews in here, any seamstresses in here. All right, a few of you. Any, I know we have our quilters in the house. I know we have people who sew. Uh, I, as a Boy Scout, they would send us out in the middle of pouring down rain with a sleeping bag and say, go sleep over there. And they would make sure that we had a couple things with us. We would have a match and a little silver little tin with a little screw top so that if we got out there and we needed to strike a match, one match, by the way, and get a fire going to find something to kill and eat, you know, I don't know, rattlesnake or something, skunk. I don't know, anybody had skunk? I don't know. Anyway, they would send us out with that. The other thing they would send us out with was this little sewing kit. And I'm thinking every time they send us out, I don't know why you're giving this to me. I don't even know what to do. I mean, I, just, you know, I don't know what to do. But if you are a seamstress or you know about sewing, then you'll understand what Jesus says here. And so again, to receive, you have to perceive. So if you understand sewing and being a seamstress or a tailor, then you'll understand why Jesus is talking about garments. The danger of trying to put something new to patch uh, take a new patch and put on something old is that the old has been washed and worn and worn and it's already shrunk. And if you put, some of you know this, you're nodding your head. If you put a new patch that has not been washed and worn on top of it, as soon as you sew it on there and you throw it in the washing machine again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to tear loose. And maybe even make a bigger 
whole than was already there, the results will not be what you want. When your patched garment is washed, it's not going to shrink any further like the one that's already been washed over and over again. It pulls away from the garment and makes it sometimes even worse than before. And it's interesting when Jesus talks about this, when he says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it. The new from the old, it's very interesting the word new that he uses there is not just like what we think of when we think of like a new car or an old car. The word new that he's talking about there is nature or essence. So in other words, everything about it, the whole nature and essence of that new piece is different than the old. Now, it's interesting because a lot of the Jews didn't quite understand what he was talking about. And they're thinking, does that mean the old is, you throw it away and it's not any good? That's actually not what it means. There's a brilliant connection that, that he uses there in those words. Jesus, when he says the new from the old and a worse tear results, for those of you who are Bible scholars and you like to know some of these things, the word tear is actually a noun right there. And it comes from a Greek word called schisma. It means to tear. The same word that he uses there to tear, you find in Mark chapter 15, it's the same word that he uses where the tear of the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. It's the same word that he's using. So he's saying, if you do not follow this new thinking, this new, law, uh, this new aspect of grace that he's trying to teach, and you will be like the old, and the old will, the, the new will rip away from the old on the patch. This will be a barrier to you receiving what God has for you. In much the same way, what he's saying, in much the same way, the curtain was a barrier to entering into the Holy of Holies and entering into God until it was torn from top to bottom. So he's trying to make a point here with these garments. So, are you wearing any old garments today? God has a new garment for you. And a new garment for me that he wants us to wear as we come to know him afresh and anew. And it's a garment actually we should be changing every single day as we learn about the newness of God. If we're still spiritually wearing the same clothes that we wore, spiritually speaking, when we came to new, know Christ, is God not teaching us anything new? God is always, always about teaching us new things. Because he's doing some new things. So Jesus uses garments. The other object that he uses is wineskins. Now, I'm not going to ask how many of you know about that because I know we're in a Baptist church. A couple seamstresses and about 160 people know about wineskins. Okay, that's all right. No. I'm just kidding. But Jesus makes another point, not just with garments, but with wineskins. And here's what he says. And if you know about wineskins... You know, first of all, to, to make wines, you know, grapes were harvested, right? And they were usually spread out in the sun on a stone, like a stone uh, trench, almost like a foundation. And there would be this little wall, like curbing around this big platform. And they would lay out the grapes in there, out in the sun, so that they would uh, increase their sugar content. And then they would line people up. Maybe we'd need to do this one Sunday. They would line people up, take their socks and shoes off. They probably didn't have socks. They'd take their sandals off, and they would step around in it. Boy, that makes you thirsty, doesn't it? 
a little toe gunk all in your wine right there. And they would do that and they would step around and they would smash the grapes over and over again. They would press out the juice. Then after that was done, they would pick up a big wooden plank and they would drop it down. And they would keep trying to press out all the juice that they could possibly get out of that. And historians tell us, biblical scholars tell us that after they did that, the new wine was left in that big, that big vat, if you will, for four, five, six days while it would ferment. And then the new wine would continue to ferment and it would emit this gas out of uh, the container. And so it was crucial, if not critical, that they would take that wine and they would pour it into new wineskins. Why would they do that, Pastor Jack? Why would they put the new wine into new wineskins? Because the old wineskins could not hold it. The idea of putting new wine into an old, uh, inflexible wineskin would have been regarded very foolish. Because the old dried out wineskin would crack and it would drain out all the new wines. And the new wineskins by nature were, were more elastic. They were full of oils. They were supple. So the Lord gave me a question this week. This is just for me. You can eavesdrop on my conversation with God if you want. Here was the question for me. I wrote it down. What kind of wineskin are you? kind of wineskin are you? See, what's interesting, and you know the story, Foster mentioned a lot of this last week, the grace of Jesus that he was bringing by coming to earth, by dying on a cross, by being raised from the dead to live for us, that grace that he brought could not be held in the legalistic rules of the Pharisees. And I would say to us, as the Lord said to me this week, we cannot alter Jesus on this side of history, on this side of the cross, on this side of the resurrection, to fit, we can't alter him to be molded into our form of religion or Christianity. We have to remember, as the Lord reminded me this week, I am the jar, he is the potter. He determines how he wants to shape the jar, if he wants to sometimes, which is painful, break the jar. And remold the jar for it to be able to hold what he wants to put into it. And I'll just be honest. As I thought about this study this this week that I've seen on our church culture. Not crossroads per se. But Baptist culture and Baptist life. it, It pains me. Because through the centuries, if we know our Bible history and we know church history, through the centuries, very rarely are old, rigid, legalistic forms able to hold the power of the Holy Spirit. We recently saw that happen at Asbury College, Asbury University. Where people had their bulletin, they had their agenda, they had their order of service, and they came in and they got ready as a group of college students, ready to go through their order of worship, and God all of a sudden said, I got my own agenda. I'm going to do something new today. Oh, that that would happen at Crossroads Baptist Church. We have a plan, by the way. We, we practice. We have an incredible worship team and choir. I try to study, or if he's preaching, we try, to study. we try to be prepared. But if we ever get to the point where we think we have a rigid, legalistic formula on how God's going to show up, God's going to go, see ya, don't want to be ya, he's going to go somewhere else. Y'all are quiet this morning. Jesus wants to do something new. And through the generations, 
And through Bible history and church history, Jesus often looks for places where he is allowed to do something new. So go back to the question I asked you at the very beginning of the service. Are there things in your life, Pastor Jack, that you are so rigid on, that you are so tightly holding on to? Processes, systems, beliefs, ideas, concepts that you are so tightly holding on to that only God Almighty could open your hand and go, I'm taking that out, I want to put something new in there. And I would ask you to ask yourself that same question. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we get away from anything at all that this book has to say because it's all based on this book. But a lot of our theology, which is not really theology, but a lot of our personal theology is not based on this book. And it's interesting. I'm just confessing to you this morning. Maybe this is just me. It's interesting as God starts doing something new, it starts revealing in my heart what really is foundational doctrinal on the Bible theology and what really is just my personal preference. The Lord wants to do something new. He he came to do something new. I believe what he's saying here. He came to do something new, not just patch up the old. It doesn't mean the old is, you throw it out. We, We stand here, I've said this many times from this platform. We stand here or sit here this morning in this room on the shoulders of generations and generations and generations of people who have been a part of this church family that made it possible for us to be where we are right now in this place. So all of that is incredible. But if you could bring any of those people back from heaven that are there and do an interview with them, I just wonder if they might say, wow, we should have just... They did. But I wonder if they'd say we should have even more embraced the newness of God. Just as an acorn falls from the tree... The acorn's not use, useless. The acorn falls into the, from the tree, falls in the ground, and a huge oak tree usually comes out of that. And then another acorn. So there's a sense in which you could say, well, the acorn's gone, but its purpose is fulfilled in greatness. Pastor Jack, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying, folks. We have got to stay focused on the mission that God has called us to do. We can't get absorbed or distracted in all the other things that are going on, even in our culture, even in our church, all the little things that really don't matter to accomplishing the mission. If they matter to accomplishing the mission, yes, they're important. If they don't, we need to just tune them out. And you've heard me say this before. We need to turn the TV off too. My heart breaks for where things, some things are going in society and culture and politics. But you know what? None of that, I hate to break it to you this morning, none of that and none of those people are going to change the authority and the plan of Almighty God. Not going to happen. So we might as well focus on partnering with the creator of the world and do what he wants us to do and let everybody else just do what they're going to do. So a couple of questions as we wrap up this morning. Here's the first one. Why is it hard to go from old to new? I'll tell you why. This is just as I, I took spiritual inventory this week for me. Maybe this is not for you, but maybe it's for me. It's hard to go from old to new, number one, because we tend to avoid risk. We don't run towards risk. Some of us do. 
But the majority of people, humanly speaking, don't run toward risk. I was watching a show with Lynette last night where you see firefighters. They're running toward risk. They're, they're trained, by the way, to do that. That's not oftentimes innately what they want to do, but they're trained to run toward risk. And the reason it's hard for me sometimes to take the new things that God is wanting to put in my life is because I tend to avoid risk. And here's the second thing, second thing about it that's true. This is why I avoid risk, because I lack the supply of trust. Just being honest. I, I need a bigger supply of trust. I lack trust, therefore I don't want to risk And so what I do is, I do the third thing, I tend to move towards what I know, because what I know is familiar. What I don't know is unfamiliar. And there's this huge chasm in between. And if God wants to move you or I in our lives, spiritually speaking, corporately as a church, in our finances, in our family, in our marriage, this applies to everything. If we are bored, we're not content, we're unhappy with wherever we are, there's only one thing to do, move from where you are. I haven't done a lot of counseling in my day, but the marriage counseling that I have done, the reason most of the time there's a struggle right there is because they're so fearful to move away from what they know to what they don't know. Because that requires risk. And it requires trust. And it requires, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, guess what? I don't either. That's part of the risk. That's part of why we need to trust in the Lord more. So how do we do that? How, how do we actually move from where we are to where God wants us to be? Three quick things and we're finished this morning. Here's the first one that I had to do this week. Repent. Repent. Church family, I'm, I'm sorry that is such a scary churchy word for most people. I wish we could come up with a new word. It is, it is a Bible word, and so it's important that a lot of times when we think of repent, we have this misconception of what repent means. Repent means I'm going in this direction, and I have a change of mind, and I turn around, and I go in the opposite direction. And I am... For me, I have to go, okay, God, I've been thinking this way about a thing. I'm sorry. I now perceive that is not the real reality. You are showing me through the power of your Holy Spirit, through your word, through conversation with fellow believers, that I have my perception has been wrong. You give me the right perception. I repent. I want to have the right thinking. And the second thing is this. The second, they all start with R, by the way. The second one is I have to replace my wrong thinking with right thinking. How do you do that? You get into God's word. You get in community. You pray. third thing you have to do is you have to relax. Foster shared this last week. Let God do the process. Trust God. There is a part that we have to do, but there is a part that only God can do. And our part is repenting and trusting, and God's part is to do everything else. So what's the Lord saying to you this morning? Here's a few questions that he gave me. If you want to jot down one or two of these, there's, a, there's about seven. And if you want to copy these, I'll send them to you. But this is a few questions the Lord gave me to think about. 
Where do I feel stretched or thin? Like I am attempting to put new wine into an old wineskin. Why am I struggling to release the old wineskin? What is holding on to this old wineskin really going to give me? (laughs) Here's the bigger question. What's it really going to cost me? When I put new wine into old wineskins, what does that produce in my life? If I trust in this new nature of grace God has given to me and allow the creator of the world to bring new things into my life, what do I think it's going to do for me? How do I think it's going to make me feel? If I compare what is produced from the old wineskin to what is produced in the new wineskin, which one is bearing more fruit? Those are just some questions the Lord gave me this week. Church family, I believe that God is stretching me, maybe stretching you, maybe stretching us. And can I say with all the love in my heart for you and for the Lord, as hard as it is for me to say this, knowing the way he's doing that in my life, embrace it, embrace it, embrace it, embrace it. Yes, Lord, I trust you, embrace it. Because he's wanting to do something new. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you that you are patient with me. Father, I thank you that you're patient with us. I thank you, Lord, that you are all about doing something new on this earth. Lord, we need something new in this world to change us, for sure. Lord, I pray for these friends in this room today. Maybe the message is for me. If so, that's fine. Lord, I think about the applications. There are so many applications in our personal lives. Are we, are we, are we living in insanity? Are we doing the same things over and over again in our marriage, with our parenting, with our finances, with whatever, and expecting something different when you, you stand ready to do something new? Lord, I do that because it's comfortable and I'm familiar with it. And I'm, I'm, if I'm honest, I'm scared. And that's okay to a certain degree. But why should I be scared if it's the creator of the world who is leading? And I think about great is thy faithfulness, Lord. I think about in my life, I look back over the Years and I see where you've shown up and you've done incredible, new, awesome things. Lord, I hear and I think about what you've done in the life of this church. Even in the short time I've been here and I'm like, wow, amazing, amazing. Why would I not trust you? Lord, we trust you today. Help us to trust you more. Lord, I 
pray for these friends today. I know even in my own life, there's no growth without change. I want to grow. I want to know you more. I want to know your word more. I want to love you better. I want to love these friends better. That will require me moving from the spot that I'm in right now to move forward. Help me to do that. Please help me not to be comfortable. Church family, in just a minute, as you're praying, I'm just going to, I'm pleading with the Lord today to speak to us, and I hope He already has. In just a minute, Matt and Hannah are going to lead us in a closing hymn, a closing song, and as they do, I want to I invite you, as I do every week, these steps, this, this altar at the front is a great place for you to kneel. And yeah, you can do that from your seat. Maybe you want to grab your spouse or grab a friend, grab a parent, grab a child. Just pray. I'll be standing here in just a moment. My friend Heath, our teaching pastor, student pastor will be here. Stephen will be here. If you need somebody to pray with you, I'd lo- we'd love to do that this morning. Maybe you've uh, been here for some time and you want to put your roots down in this place and say, you know what, I sense God is doing something new at Crossroads. I want to be a part of this church body. Then I want to invite you in just a minute as we sing, you come grab my hand or Heath or Stephen and just say, how, how do I be, get, be, become a part of this church? How do I put my roots down here at Crossroads? We'd love to tell you how to do that. Father, I pray you'd have your way during this invitation time. Would you speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name? Amen. Would you silently and reverently just stand to your feet? And we're going to sing this song. If you want to sing, if you want to pray, if you need somebody to pray for you, if you want to kneel. This is a response time for you and the Lord, not for me, but for you and the Lord. Just do what the Lord leads you to do this morning. We'll be here waiting to pray with you this morning as we sing. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.